The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Going to be touching on James's latest Farm Futures piece. Also grading out NWA in honor of uh, the release of Straight Outta Compton tomorrow. James, are, are you pretty stoked on this movie? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm a little indifferent, quite honestly. You know, I, I'll probably end up watching it. I hope I don't get dragged to it in theaters just yeah. because I I really don't like going to movies in theaters at all really? anymore. Um I mean I just I see that. Like I don't I don't know. I don't get I mean I I go to like one or two per year and that's that's enough for me. Uh but like movies like this where it's like some a subject matter that's like really kind of close to your um to your heart or like your area of expertise uh (laughs) like i don't i often end up not liking the movie like Mm. i haven't seen moneyball just because i feel like it would just piss me off just gonna pick it apart like yeah exactly and uh 
like with this one, I feel like I, I, I haven't read any reviews on it, but I could see myself uh, kind of feeling the same way about uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like that too. You know, maybe it's just because of the the previews I've seen just didn't do much for me. But also, I know that there's the Hollywood's going to manipulate well, the story, and it's just not going to be uh, true to life. And it's, you know, I mean, I'd I'd rather just watch like a documentary with yeah. like actual footage of NWA than, you know, a movie with non people from the band singing songs from the from them. You know, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is one that I will see eventually, but I'm with you, not in theaters. And I'm kind of with you as far as theaters go, unless they have a bar at the theater. Well, that's, I mean, that's uh, that kind of goes without saying. I mean, they're they're kind of <laughs> going. A lot of theaters kind of going yeah. in that direction, and I mean, nothing. I the wise. only thing better than paying, you know, fifteen bucks to go watch a movie is paying another ten dollars to get a nice buzz on during that movie. <laughs> but if you pay <laughs> that money and went all the way out to a theater, I'll gladly pay that extra ten to get a little buzz going. But uh, James, again, we're going to touch on your latest farm futures piece, where you're looking at the top ten farm systems after you know all the deadline moves and and whatnot but first just some prospect news to get to robert stevenson of the reds left his start for for triple a louisville on wednesday due to an undisclosed injury reds still not said what it was that forced him off the hill but i was reading a cincinnati Enquirer report that said sources told them reds don't believe it's serious but they don't want to make any kind of announcements until they have them evaluated but uh, in light of this uh, it's a setback regardless is it time to just cut bait with him if you've been stashing him NL only uh, deeper mixers? Yeah, I would I would cut bait with Stevenson in pretty much all single season leagues, mm-hmm. uh, especially since you know that Brandon Finnegan and John Lamb are both on the forty man, so I feel like those are the kind of obvious options to get September call ups and make some starts. Uh, down the stretch if they decide to go that route so yeah i don't really don't see a scenario where stevenson uh, offers any value down the down the stretch now this is kind of off topic but you mentioned last week that you thought tyler glass now could be an option to maybe either pitch out of the bullpen or possibly slot into that rotation you still feel like that do you think he's a reasonable target not only i actually want to know for myself because i i picked him up don't <laughs> yeah know if I, keep I, him. I just don't know what the role is going to be mm-hmm. um you know, obviously, the only way he'd really have a ton of mixed league value would be if he was starting. Uh, maybe, maybe you could get some solid ratios if he's relieving. But uh, I don't know. I feel like if they were gonna have him starting, he would already be up. It, that just see. I mean, I feel like he's an upgrade over a guy like Jeff Locke right now, probably. Yeah, or so, Jay Happ. Sure. Or right, right, right. I mean, so they've yeah. a couple guys he could replace. But if you were gonna have him starting, wouldn't you want him throwing those? bullets you know in in the big leagues already i would think so so i I don't know i feel like the fact that he's not up sort of suggests it might be a a bullpen role for him you know he he's been a lot better with his control throughout the entire season but in his second to last start for triple a indianapolis six walks over four and two thirds but then in his start on tuesday only three over six innings four hits one earned run uh five strikeouts i mean haps returning to the rotation after being skipped he's going to return start friday at but I think if he really struggles, maybe then they, they start to think about Glass now. But uh, kind of a, a high-risk stash, I'd say, because no lock that he'll pitch out of the rotation at any point this year. For the Rangers, Josh Hamilton banged up. A lot of speculation that Joey Gallo could be returning if, if it forces Hamilton to the DL. 
Do you think it's it's Gallo or, or Mazzara or which which one of those do you see possibly getting the call? You know, Gallo's the safer bet just because he's on the forty man, but I do think that Mazzara, like I'm I'm stashing Mazzara in in our stake league. Uh, I just I sort of have a hunch that he's going to be up uh, sometime this year, and you know he's I think he's in the middle of like an eight game hitting streak. Gallo's got like five homers in his last nine games. So, I mean, they're both uh, kind of on a, on a tear at triple A and double A respectively. So, you know, I, I, I could see them both coming up, but if I had to, to stash one, it would be Gallo. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the talent is, is obviously through the roof with both of those guys, but I would like to I'd like to at least get a glimpse of Mazzara. I mean, he's obviously still at double A, but uh, from what we've seen, looks like that bat could play at the major league level already. Uh, finally, Greg Bird promoted to the Yankees starting at first base on Thursday, but is there going to be room for him to play enough to make a significant fantasy impact this year? You know, there's, there's certain leagues where I think it makes sense to kind of take a flyer on him where you're kind of banking on him playing like, like if you're in like a 17 team mixer or an AL only, and you're getting like nothing from your corner infield spot, which is the case with me in one of our leagues, like I, I might put a like a zero or one dollar bid in on him but yeah um you know for instance like i i have a bid in on danny valencia in that league at a higher priority than greg bird yeah. so like that's He's been pretty damn good lately. yeah so that's that's like you're, you're basically hoping for an injury because you're gonna yeah. get bird to start maybe once or twice a week backing up a rod at dh and to share at first so you need one of those guys to kind of go down for him to start seeing four or five starts a week 12 homers this year between double a and triple a a 356 on base for 79 slug. Do you remember where you had him slotted under your updated top 200? I mean, uh, you know, I it looked I've, really good in the fall league, but I know you. I've kind of had, had him hesitation. like in the. I've, I've had him in like the 60s. I feel like okay. all year long. Uh, you know, maybe may, that that might be a little too low to be honest, just because we we basically know like the the floor on him. I feel is high enough that he should be. Uh, you know, owned in almost all dynasty leagues because you know that he's going to be playing on, you know, maybe an everyday basis as early as, you know, April of next season. So, yeah. uh, and we, we know that the bats advanced and the approach is advanced. So it's not going to be sort of a, he gets called up and then set back down because he's struggling. Like, I feel like once he's up and playing every day, it'll be, you know, for good. So, uh, definitely a top 75 guy, maybe even a top 50 guy. Big boy, 6'3", 220, and uh, again, saw him crush a homer in the Fall Stars game just right off the batter's eye. Uh, impressive power. Yeah, I mean, maybe not this year outside of, you know, those situations, those deeper leagues that you mentioned, but next year, I mean, as a, if we're talking about a, a guy who probably only costs you a couple bucks, maybe three bucks, uh, unless he doesn't, unless he has a starting role, then maybe the hype train will, will build, but I think could make for, for a sneaky pickup and, and a lot of mixers heading into next year. Also, he Hector Oliveira starting a rehab assignment tonight in the Gulf Coast League. Saw David O'Brien of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution suggest he could be up with Atlanta as soon as next Tuesday. Uh, we, I mean, we talked about him uh, last week, but somebody that I think we both agree should be owned in, in a lot of formats once he is indeed up. Yeah, I really need him to get that call uh, <laughs> so sooner than later so that I can I can start fielding a, a complete lineup in stake league. So yeah, the sooner the be better eating. on him. You're gonna be eating. I like that. <laughs> I, I've been I've been sitting on a high waiver priority in my NL only, and 
for some reason, Oliver is still not in the Yahoo player pool, which that's, I think that's is, is really fun. weird. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to have to wait, but I'm definitely... Uh, and I mean, I don't know how much the power is going to play initially, especially in a park lo- like Atlanta's, but uh, pretty safe in terms of batting average and should be in a pretty prominent spot in that batting order. So, even with a poor team around him, I think the counting stats should be very serviceable. Uh, James, we'll get to your latest Farm Futures piece. Uh, good stuff here. Taking a look at the top 10 systems in the minor leagues with in terms of fantasy, looking at it through a, a fantasy perspective. Uh, your, your just miss list here, Tampa Bay, top prospect Blake Snell, who you informed me not owned in our Staff Keeper League 2, definitely got uh, uh, close eyes on him. Pittsburgh Pirates, top prospect Tyler Glass now. Cleveland Indians, top prospect Bradley Zimmer. The A's, top prospect Sean Mania. The Brewers, top prospect Brett Phillips. Now, there was a comment uh, on this article. Somebody a little upset that you didn't include the Atlanta Braves, even on the just miss list. What's the reasoning behind that? Uh, I mean, I didn't really even consider them, to be honest. Like, I mean, I they just don't have a com- – I mean, they have Hector Oliveira, who's a very high floor guy uh, and, you know, decent amount of upside too. But after him – there's not a single guy in that system who has a combination of, of ceiling and probability, really. I mean, you look at a guy like Oseno Albies, who's out for the season, uh, decent, I mean, tons of potential, I guess, down the road, but he's so far away that I'm not going to say that he's got a, a high floor. And uh, Tyrell Jenkins, I have ranked as the third best prospect in that system, and this is a guy who probably has a ceiling as a number three starter. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of tells you all you need to know about that system. I mean, they have two guys, I think, in my top 100. Uh, they have, you know, five or six guys, I think, in the 100 to 200 range, but that doesn't make a system really great. So no. uh, didn't really consider them. I was kind of hoping that we could have a back and forth on the, the comment section here, but I responded to uh, TB Jackson's comment, and then he uh, proceeded to not respond to my uh, comment. So I think he must have packed up his stuff and went home uh for the day but yeah i mean i like just comparing like comparing the brave system to like you know the rays system where the rays have not only a super deep system but they have guys who you know have a have a good amount of upside good amount of probability you know blake snell who you mentioned a really nice combination of upside and probability he'll probably be in their rotation at some point next season uh, Willie Adames, who you know a lot of people like more than I do, but I, even I'll admit he's got a ton of upside uh, and probability at this point. I mean, he's he's kind of proven everything along the way. Robert Daniel Robertson's got a high floor, so I mean they, they've already got you know there's three guys who I would put ahead of Osano Albies in the Brave system. Oh wow, I mean I like the speed that Albies brings to the table, of course, but I mean so far away, yeah, I don't think you can. The probability with him is and, is uncertain. Yeah, I mean it, it's. Like I'll if you want to say that you would take the Brave system over maybe the Brewer system, uh, I I might not you know take a ton of issue with that. Just I mean I like some of the guys lower down in the Brewer system more than than some people do. Uh, definitely probably some homerism at work there, but uh, no no real case for the Braves being in the top ten. So it wasn't a case of you just forgetting, as no. he uh, assumed. No. As, as the commenter suggested, I might have just forgotten about the Braves because how else could they not be in it? But no, I, I didn't. It's so easy them. to forget one of 30 teams. <laughs> yeah. 
so, I mean, John Hart's kind of, a lot of people kind of giving him a lot of credit for stockpiling young arms, but you just don't see a ton of upside well, with guys like Jenkins, Toussaint, and even Freed. So, they like Toussaint and Freed have upside, uh, yeah, but, but they're so far away. Yeah. And there's so much risk with both of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Toussaint's been terrible since he came over in that trade. Freed's, I mean, hasn't pitched in like two years after Tommy John. I mean, so much risk with those two guys. I like Tyrell Jenkins. I mean, he's had his best professional season to date, really kind of put himself back on the map as as a guy who's probably got a future as a legit big league starter. But uh, if that's the the calling card of your system in terms of uh, your best pitching prospect still in the minors, then, I mean, that's that's not saying a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they already graduated so many guys, you know, like True. Banuelos, Foltinevich, Folt uh, Whistler. Whistler. I mean, they, if those guys were all still in the minor leagues, then maybe I, I could see a case for it being uh, top 10, but but not with the guys they still have down there. Plus, the, the approach that they took in this year's first-year player draft early on, especially, was stockpiling prep arms. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a risky approach. I, I get that. You know, there is upside with these guys, and they're really looking ahead to future years, but uh, taking on a lot of risk. I know the A's kind of on the other side of that coin, and, uh, you know, I, I get the argument to, to get these young arms, these prep arms, but uh, how many, you know, what's the success rate on these guys? It's not uh, nearly as high as some of these more proven commodities, but we'll move on. Minnesota Twins checking in at the as the 10th best farm system in terms of fantasy. You got Buxton, of course. As the number one guy, were you surprised that they optioned him down upon activation from the DL or with Aaron Hicks playing so well, did that just make sense to you? No, yeah, I I thought that they would send him down because, you know, he struggled initially and I feel like it would have been inevitable that he would have struggled again if mm-hmm. if his first action off of the DL had been back at the big league level. So uh, expecting him to get called up in September, if he wasn't in the minor leagues, the Twins wouldn't have been ranked here Uh I mean, yeah. that's pretty obvious. Uh, but, you know, Buxton is, is – I would take Buxton over Corey Seager uh, in terms of, you know, best minor leaguer uh, going right now. So that, that was enough to put them in the top ten. The Twins actually have a ton of guys on the 40-man who I expect to get called up in September. So there's going to be some value to extract there. Uh, Buxton, uh, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler um, – uh, Kenny's Vargas, Yosmel Pinto, uh, Alex Meyer. I mean, they've got a ton of guys on the 40-man who probably will get uh, some looks in September because I don't really view them as contenders. Do you think there's going to be room for Jose Barrios among that bunch? I mean, Phil Hughes landed on the DL today with a sore back. Sounds like they're going to turn to Trevor May and then Tyler Duffy. Seems like they're a little hesitant I, to give him the call. I don't, I don't think Barrios is going to – I don't think he's going to pitch – in the big leagues this year i really don't and and there was kind of a big there's a lot of drama on twins twitter earlier in the day (laughs) um because the star tribune you know had an article we did a note on it uh where lavelle neal was saying you know barrios is an option to replace uh well this was actually you know for their saturday starter which was up in the air and it that was kind of all speculation. I mean, he didn't have, like, a source or anything like that. He was just kind of saying Barrios has been really good and the Twins need a starter. And then uh, Mike Berardino from, from the Pioneer Press said that he has a source that said it won't be Barrios. And, in fact, it, of course, was not Barrios who uh, is slotted to take that rotation spot. So if they weren't going to call him up now, I feel like that's kind of an indication, especially with them being, like, two games out of the wild card right now. 
now is the time to call him up and it would have lined up perfectly in terms of when his last start was if they're not going to call him up now i mean he's he's killing it over his last like four starts or five starts i think uh really no reason to expect him to be up at any point yeah i mean i think the twins i mean obviously falling out of the second wild card spot I think they're kind of packing it in. They're realizing yeah, I think this so. isn't the year, and the, their fans should kind of realize yeah. that too. I mean, you're getting, you're going to get Buxton back up. You're going to get Oswaldo Garcia back up in September. Uh, you know, there's going to be reasons to go to that ballpark in September. Miguel Sano's been awesome, so I mean, don't get don't get a little greedy here and think that Barrios is going to be the difference between you making or not making the playoffs. Good point. And you got Nick Gordon as the number four prospect in that system. Uh, 23 steals this season at low A Cedar Rapids. 277 average, 340 on base, only a 353 slug. I mean, obviously a long ways away, but but how does the hit tool grade out in your opinion? Is he going to be able to hit enough to allow that speed to really play? I think so. I I, I mean, he's a good buy low candidate in Dynasty Leagues right now just because if you're going to uh, value him based solely on his numbers then you're going to probably ding him quite a bit but just 19 years old uh you know his brother d was a, a late bloomer yeah. i think he was in the minors you know well into his 20s before he ever really kind of held down an everyday job in the big leagues so it might just take you know five years for for nick gordon to really kind of become a, a true everyday shortstop but when he does i think it's going to be you know, 280, 290 average, 30-plus steals, might even develop, you know, five to ten homers in terms of the pop. So I definitely would hold him in Dynasty Leagues right now. think he has a better, you know, more upside than his brother? Do you have a better? No, I don't think he's faster than his brother. So, I mean, like, his brother's a guy that can win you steals. I mean, I think think, uh, Nick is kind of, you know, that that Alcides Escobar – that type of speed, okay. not necessarily the D Gordon type of speed, but I I think it's I don't think they're that far off. I mean mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think Nick has more power potential than D. So very nice. I actually acquired him in Staff Keeper League One probably a month or so ago. Him and uh, Franklin Barreto for a forty five B Joey Votto. I mean I I just took over a league nice. a team in that league uh, this year and Votto, you know. I mean, I could keep him at 45 next year, but I'm, I mean, that's not my window. I'm not competing next year, so might as well get a couple high upside young guys to stash. Uh, let's move on to the Cubs as the number ninth ranked farm system in terms of fantasy uh, prospects. Now you don't have Javier Baez on this list. Is that he's he doesn't qualify? Oh, he just doesn't. That's right, of course. Uh, so you got Billy McKinney, Daniel Vogelbach, Labor Torres, Ian Happ, who I, I know you're, you're pretty high on, of course. Uh, uh, early pick this year, Marcus Agunas, uh, Dwayne Underwood, Pierce Johnson, Carson Sands, Albert Almora, Justin Steele. What is it about Almora? I know, you know, highly touted guy, but is it, you know, more real-life value given the defense, just not a ton of uh, potential at the dish? Yeah, I just don't – you know, he, he's been hot lately, so – this uh, this ranking within the system, I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anyone for saying that he should be ranked number five. I definitely don't see a case for him to be ranked ahead of Hap or Torres or Vogelbach or McKinney. But if you want to put him number five, that'd be fine. I just don't see a scenario where he's uh, playing every day for this Cubs team anytime mm-hmm. soon. I, I mean, you know, they don't have uh, a ton of organizational depth at, in center field, 
So I guess in that that case he could, but they have so many pieces that they could move in a trade. I just think that it would make more sense for them to go acquire or maybe even sign, like say, a guy like Carlos Gomez uh, next winter. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just seems like that's a slot that they'll fill from outside the organization. And Almora, to me, you know, even if he does make it as an everyday player, you're talking about you know, the upside of, of maybe a guy like Dexter Fowler, but not right away. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not going to hit for a high average right away. He's not going to hit for a ton of pop right away. So I just don't really see that much upside with him. Somebody that I inherited in SKL one that I'm probably going to end up throwing back just because I don't know if he really needs to be owned in that type of league. But uh, you mentioned Baez no longer eligible for this list, but if if he were, would he be number one? Uh, ahead of McKinney? Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, I But I love Billy McKinney. So I think he'd be – I'd put him ahead of Dan Vogelbach in the two spot there, no mm-hmm. question. Uh, Baez, to me, is someone who I think everyone's going to be kind of down on next year. But really, to me, I mean, he's got a very realistic shot of, of getting more starts at second base for the Cubs than any other player. Uh, on that team so uh, as long I mean it's a it's a big time gamble that he can kind of figure out his contact issues but if he does then the reward could be pretty huge he could also be just a couple weeks away from maybe taking on a short end platoon role sure with the Cubs I mean I think Chris Coughlin uh, pretty well locked into that primary job but maybe he could see the starts against the lefties I think that uh, a pretty strict platoon. and it would be a it would be a pretty major upgrade defensively yeah definitely I'll move on number eight the Phillies before this Cole Hamels, the recent Cole Hamels deal, I mean, the this, this system looked a lot worse for sure. But uh, J.P. Crawford is, is the uh, star atop this farm system. He's only 20, but he recently bumped up to double A, right? A couple, maybe a month or two ago. In terms of, of fantasy, I mean, the, the defense, I mean, he's definitely sticking it short. There's no question about that. How much is the power going to play uh, as he reaches the, the higher levels? I don't think it's going to play much. Um, you know, he's kind of like a better version of Francisco Lindor fantasy-wise, you know, where it's still a much better real-life profile than fantasy, but I think he's a better hit, a better bet to kind of hit around 300 than Lindor is, and there's more speed, uh, similar amount of power. So uh, I just think the safety with him and the fact that he plays shortstops enough for him to be a top-10 fantasy prospect, but it's not he's not the type of guy that's going to win you your league or do Carlos Correa type stuff. And then the three prospects they got from Texas, uh, Nick Williams. I think they got a fourth, actually. But the three big guys, Williams, Nick Williams, Jake Thompson, Jorge Alfaro, two, three, four on the organizational ranks here. With with Alfaro, I mean, top catcher, catching prospect in baseball, would you agree? Yes. Uh, but what is what are the risks with a guy like that? Uh, he's... I think he's got serious like crash and burn potential. Mm-hmm. Um, the upside's pretty huge because he's got, you know, at least sixty grade power, maybe seventy grade power, uh, at least in terms of what he does in batting practice. But the contact issues, I think, are legitimate. And you know, if he's hitting, you know, he he could be kind of like the bad version of Evan Gaddis offensively. You know, Ooh. when when Evan Gaddis is kind of in one of those ruts like he's in right now where, yeah. he, you know, he's hitting like 190 and like occasionally giving you a dong, but 
or maybe even like a Mike Zanino type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Ooh. there's there's significant downside with him, but the the upside is so you know through the roof that he like he could be the good version of Evan Gaddis uh-huh. too. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's definitely a that's why I have him. I think I have him third of those three guys that came over in that deal, just because yeah. I think that the potential for him to bust is so much more than with Williams or Thompson. Yeah, I mean, two ends of the spectrum there for sure. It's it's definitely risky, but uh, I, I would agree. The the top offensive catching prospect in baseball for sure. The Red Sox at number seven. I think some people may be a little surprised to see him this low. I mean, they got Mancata, Rafael Devers, Manuel Margot, Javier Guerra. I mean, it's, uh, Andrew Benintendi, too, who I, I really like from this year's draft. Is it, is it the fact that this, this organization is so top-heavy, the fact that they're in this spot in this order? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think it says a lot about the teams ranked ahead of them. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they are very top-heavy. Uh, love, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to put anyone's, you know, top of the system up against the, the Dodgers' top of the system. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to, you could put them up against with anybody else. I mean, they've got some some position players that are pretty exciting, uh, kind of guys guys all over the diamond and uh, Guerra, who's a shortstop, Devers, who's playing third base right now, probably won't by the time he gets to the big leagues. Moncada, second base, Margot in the outfield. Uh, the problem is, like, a lot of these guys are so far away that mm-hmm. it's not uh, high floor, you know, prospects gotcha. just, just yet. I mean, Margot might make it to the big leagues, say, maybe early 2017. Moncada might make it maybe late 2016. But then Devers and, and Guerra are, are at least two or three years away. And so for that reason, I kind of ding them a little uh, relative to some of the systems ranked ahead of them. Uh, not a ton of pitching. I mean, they're kind of dry on that end. Michael Kopech is uh, – he was awesome before he got that 50-game ban for uh, PEDs, but he's also in the lower levels. So it's just the fact that they don't have a guy who's kind of knocking on the door who also has high ceiling that kind of puts him at the seventh spot here. Yeah, I mean, just getting back to Mankata for a second. Slow start this year. Uh, not unexpected for a kid his age and getting back up to speed with baseball. Really coming on strong lately. And, yeah, as you mentioned, I saw Jim Callis, MLB.com, suggest, you know, given his progression, he could be up uh, by late next year. Definitely excited to see what he brings to the table. What about Ben Benintendi? Do you think he could maybe be, you know, up among these the top six in the system, maybe the first to reach the majors? Um, I would, I would still bet on Moncada to get there before Benintendi. Uh, just, to, I just don't see, I don't see the Red Sox having a, a glaring need or to the point where they would rush Benintendi through the system. Um, but I mean, th- those two will probably beat the rest of the, the guys on this list there. Houston other, Astros. Other Brian Johnson, who's already made it. There. Yeah. I mean, Brian Johnson, I didn't even mention him. I mean, he's, he's fine, but, uh, not really the kind of front line no. a guy they need by any stretch. Astros, number six, losing a guy like Brett Phillips and still being this high is a testament to what they've built there in Houston. Vincent Velasquez checking in at number one. You say here that you still prefer him to Lance McCullers long term. Heading into next year, do you see Velasquez as maybe like a top 40, 50 starting pitcher? Uh, You know, I think he's got top – top 40 upside next year mm-hmm. but you're not gonna have to 
you're not gonna have to spend anything to get him. That's I true. mean, like just the industry as a whole. I mean, prospect towns are high on Velasquez, but guys who you know mostly play single season leagues, they're they're gonna not even have. Like when we do our top three fifties, yeah. you know, before the year next year, I fully expect, you know, me, maybe you, uh, to be the only ones with Velasquez in our top three fifty. I mean, I think you can probably get him for a buck next year in in mixed leagues. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's a really special arm. Uh, kind of kind of surprised that they op they're opting to start some of these veteran guys over him, but he'll be up. Uh, come September to to be kind of a hammer in that bullpen, I would imagine. And you know, I j- at this point, I'm just kind of hoping he doesn't do anything too crazy good the rest of the way, so that price is still yeah. is still low going into 2016. You know, I think the re- the reasoning behind having him in the minors and removing him from the rotation was simply for to manage his innings. I really do believe that because I think talent wise, he he has certainly an, more than enough to uh, warrant a rotation spot. I imagine he'll probably pitch out of the bullpen when he does return. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I think... He'll be nasty out of the bullpen. Oh, yeah. I mean, the stuff in short spurts play up for sure. And uh, I, I do agree that, you know, because his time with the Major League Club, the ro- results weren't crazy. They crazy weren't, like, good. they weren't... Uh, I mean, they were still good, They were though, soft. You know, yeah. like, like it's not... Age, yeah. yeah, I mean, for for a guy who, I think, coming into the year, I don't think too many people would have expected him to make any starts with the big league club yeah, this year. I so, I mean, for him to get up and make a few and, and do pretty solid. I mean, I think that that kind of speaks to, to his uh, upside down the road. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, uh, I'm hoping, yeah, that he, you know, doesn't remind people too much of the, of the upside there so that we can get him at a relatively cheap price. And though we'll probably be in a bidding war for him in, in stake league next year. First one, uh, you know, before we move on, we ran a little long, so I think we may save the final five on this list for next week. But uh, I think it's interesting that Alex Bregman, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he's MLB.com's top-ranked prospect in this that's, system. That's how MLB.com does their prospect rankings, yeah. though. They just go to, like, the most recent draft. I mean, they almost kind of <laughs> do it. They almost sort it based on where a player was taken overall in the draft. Yeah. Like Seems they like probably it. have Bregman one and, and like Mark Appel two or something like that. I'm pretty system. sure that is how it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe look, Reed is too. I might be too low on Bregman. Like I, I think the highest that you could talk me into putting Bregman on this list would be five. Um, I can't see any argument for putting him ahead of AJ Reed, Derek Fisher, JD Davis, or Vincent Velasquez. I just don't. I mean, those guys have, so much more upside. I mean, J.D. Davis, A.J. Reed, both well over 20 bombs this year. J.D. Davis hit six bombs in six consecutive games with a bomb, like, Ooh. last week. Uh, wow. And, you know, he shouldn't be at Lancaster at all. Colin Moran's holding down third base at double-A, so they don't really have anywhere to put him. Uh, that's the only reason he's still there. Derek Fisher, I mean, he's the toolsiest guy on this list. I mean, he might, I think he's probably got more uh upside in terms of homers and steals and Daz Cameron does um I mean they're, they're just so much to like with those top four guys that I just don't see any argument from a fantasy perspective having Bregman yeah. any higher than five and that is an important distinction because MLB.com they're not fantasy right, rankings right. but at the same time I don't even know if, if we're talking about strictly you know talent major league impact if he really deserves to be number one I mean I don't think I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be a plus defender at short. Yeah. I, I don't even I think people 
that are high on him would hope that he's an average defender at short. And let's face it, he's not going to be playing short and like for them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's just that's the way MLB does their rankings. I remember they had like Tyler Kolick in like the top 30 or something before the season. So and he didn't make your top 200. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. <laughs> he was an omission. Well, I love that. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. It's <laughs> the theme on this podcast. Might get into uh, some more of that here in our next uh, segment. Going to be grading out our latest hip hop group. Uh, again, doing NWA in honor of the release of Straight Out of Compton this weekend. Kind of, kind of a tough grade for me. I always liked NWA, but I kind of, you know, as a late '80s baby, uh, kind of got more into them after they all separated, went their own separate ways. But of course, went you on. Weren't, you weren't to banging them. NWA when you were like four years old. <laughs> Shockingly, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I did uh, was banging hip hop at probably an inappropriate age. Yeah, uncensored yeah. hip hop, but yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm there actually any, is happy. There any other kind I'm of hip hop? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there is, and I found that out the hard way when I tried to buy a Warren G CD from Walmart. I remember, yeah, I remember. Not only did I buy accidental, I bought uh, Biggie's Life After Death from Walmart. Not oh. only was it edited, and I didn't know it was edited, but it was they had like done some BS thing where they made it just one album or one disc. And oh, they like what? they like kind of took their they left off some songs that they didn't feel needed to be on the clean version of the They're album. They're probably like too hard to chop. Yeah, off. yeah. And like so, I'm sitting here like listening to this album, and I'm like half the like the ten ten crack commandments. It was just the ten commandments. One, <laughs> like oh, they they were no. like you know editing out crack and uh, yeah. I mean that was kind of devastating. See, that's that's a shame because that's actually like a classic album. To do that to an album yeah. like that is yeah. horrible. I mean, I, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. pissing on the Mona Lisa. <laughs> oh, that's a good comp for that. <laughs> um, see, for in my case, it was Warren G. Take a look over your shoulder, which was a terrible album. <laughs> not, from not what a I remember, so it wasn't. Stretch. It didn't matter. I just I threw it in the garbage <laughs> after I heard the first couple tracks. It really didn't matter. But NWA, we'll get into these grades here. Lyricism, you know. I factored into this that I don't think a lot of these guys wrote their own lyrics for one. And so I got a 40 on them. Decent lyrics, but for me it was more about flow. Um, I found this hard because at the time that they were rapping, like I think if you look at the lyrics from almost like any kind of hip hop that was coming out at, at that time, you're not going to find anything that really holds up even to like uh-huh. stuff that was coming out like in like 92, 93. That's I true. think that it just, the genre as a whole just got so much better lyrically mm-hmm. uh, in a span of a few years. But uh, you know, a guy like easy E to me brings up, he, br- he brought up the lyrics grade. He brought up the flow grade to me. Uh, don't really think much of, of Dre, Dre's NWA stuff in terms of lyrics. Don't no. think much of MC Ren's lyrics in general on, on almost any track. Uh, <laughs> oh. Ice Cube had some good stuff in the early 90s uh, lyrically, but more more kind of like a 50, 55 uh, lyricist. Easy E had put maybe a 60, 65 on it, but you know, I, not enough to get it any higher than the 50 overall for me. Yeah, I'm with you. And just to so our listeners are aware, in case you don't know all the members, I mean, Dr. Dre, Easy, Ice Cube, MC Ren, DJ Yella, 
and about DJ Young. Arabian Prince. I didn't actually know he was a member. He left the group the year it was created in '88, so okay. not doesn't really count. But I'm with you. I mean, Easy E. You know, I, I like his stuff and his stuff with N.W.A., but I don't know he, he was a great lyricist. And you know that jump in lyrical. Uh, an emphasis on I, lyrics really kind of came with I do Wu-Tang. know I do know that he was a great lyricist. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love the flow. I mean, that's easy. He's probably got a 70, 75 flow, but the lyrics, I mean, not I'm, nothing I'm, too. I'm just giving. Yeah. I, I mean, like personally, I like him a lot. Yeah. I'm I not like gonna him. not gonna you know go real at M- too hard. Real MFGs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of my well, yeah that. Tracks. That, Not an uh, NWA track though. It's on uh, 187 Killer or whatever yeah. that that album that was basically dedicated to ripping on Dr. Dre, <laughs> and it's like six tracks long. That's that's an awesome <laughs> album. I do love that album. <laughs> I saw some. Uh, I had to watch. I mean, I, UFC. I'm coming around a little bit to it. Don't not a really a big fan, but I saw some UFC guy came walking out to real MFGs, and I was like, oh, I want I want this guy to win for sure nice. now. We'll move on to flow. I got a sixty here. You, you as well. Again, with, with hip hop groups, it's so hard because it ranges from members of the group. But I think Easy E, Ice Cube, uh, definitely boosts this grade up. Yeah. Dre's flow. I mean, this may be controversial, but I don't know if Dre really had a a plus flow. No, I, <laughs> uh, I don't think he did. Uh... I think you could look at like 90% of tracks that Dr. Dre is prominently on and you would take his flow on that song and give it a a average at best flow grade. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you'd give him a plus flow on like nothing but a G thing, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe on still Dre. I I mean, there's just, there's not a lot of tracks where he's that great on, especially the early stuff with NWA. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, you're right. Easy E, Ice Cube, both. Uh, plus flows for me, which had led me to put a 60 on this. You know, part of me likes Dr. Dre's, you know, kind of delivery. You know, he kind of has that like hard kind of thing going, but at the same time, it's, I can uh, see through it though. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's Ron, a fake I, tough guy. <laughs> I mean, man, you're going to spark some, some controversy here, but I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, that lowers it down to 60 is still a, a solid grade, but uh, can't go any higher. Now, longevity, I got a 50, you got a 40. Very small window as a group, uh, but I actually think maybe their longevity, I mean, the fact that they have a movie made about them in 2015 uh, speaks to, uh, maybe, maybe more so to impact, but at the same time, I think the longevity, I'm giving it a 50, but I think that that window where they got a lot of love in the music industry may have been a little too too wide, too long. Um yeah, I mean, I gave him a 40 because I think, you know, I think Straight Outta Compton was the only uh, legit album that they released with mm-hmm. all five members. Uh, I mean, Ice Cube left before their their next big album, pretty sure. Yeah, and 89. So, so that kind of that kind of dings them there for me. Also, I mean, just in terms of, I mean, like, when was the last time you were at, like, a bar or, like, you know, anything like when was the last time you were anywhere in public and an nwa song got played i mean it's not mm-hmm. the music I, I like there's a few tracks that i think 
hold up fine if you're like listening to your iPod, but like I wouldn't play even my favorite NWA songs at like a party I was having. I mean, I, like no, I wouldn't play I straight wouldn't out of play, Compton or no. like 100 Miles and Running or anything like no. that at a party. So uh, the music doesn't necessarily hold up. Yeah, even like Express Yourself. Not yeah. never was a, much of a fan of that track. Uh, I agree, it doesn't really hold up. I got a 50. Uh, again, I, I'm kind of taking into account a lot of the solo work, and I shouldn't be, but at the same time, I mean, the individual longevity, uh, definitely significant, I'd say, longer than, uh, much longer than them as a group. Now, a, uh, 80 Impact, both of us, again, the fact that there's a movie made about them in 2015 speaks to that, and I think uh, they really did kind of bring the, the gangster hip-hop uh, into the mainstream. They were heavily impacting rap, like, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, everything that you... Like, you can trace, uh, you know, a lot of... Like, almost all East Coast rap to, like, Eric B. and Rakim. You can trace pretty much all West Coast rap yeah. to N.W.A., uh, specifically, like, Snoop Dogg, Dre, Ice Cube, like, all the all the kind of acts that spawned from like those guys, you know, with like Warren G, Nate Dogg, uh, Tupac. I mean, it, it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a really, really big sort of family tree that kind of, uh, branches out from NWA. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say it any better. I think that's perfectly said. So we'll move on to swag. I got a 65, you got a 70, uh, easy E alone brings us up, but also ice cube, uh, you know, Dre's swag is, is probably a negative here. <laughs> Yellow's swag. <laughs> Yellow's swag. I, I actually kind of like, like MC Ren. I, well, like, Dre and MC Ren to me are in the same. I, I would put like 50s on their swags. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but Easy E and Ice Cube, 80 swag. And <laughs> like, you just, the look that they both had with the Jerry curls yeah. and the like kind of all black with like either the Dodgers or the Kings hat on mm-hmm. um, the shades, the for shades easy. like, yeah, the, the black, I mean, they're kind of like the fab five of like hip hop, just in terms of just kind of starting their, the whole new sort of style. Um, and, yeah. and just, yeah, I mean like easy, I mean, come on, like, uh, just his, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's everything it's, about him was so swaggy. And I mean, when you compare him to another eighties, uh, legendary group, and we can maybe get to this group later, but Run DMC, we're talking about <laughs> opposite ends of the swag spectrum. Yeah, yeah, I was, I I hit you up with that uh, earlier today. I was listening to NWA Pandora Station in advance of this podcast just to kind of, you know, figure out what I wanted to do with their their lyrics grade and stuff. But uh, you know, a, a Run DMC track comes on, and it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> WTF? <laughs> uh, like, why? Why, if I was listening to NWA, would you think I wanted to listen to Run DMC? I mean, like, yeah. opposite groups, really. I mean, just really is. just corny as hell and, like, just no no lyrics, no swag. No, I hate the, that. Just swag. terrible beats. Um, I mean, just, just like garbage. Like Adidas, like jumpsuit Yeah, just swag. loving Adidas. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> LL Cool J BS. Yeah, I mean, yeah. get that out of here. Get that the hell out. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, swag 65, not the highest swag grade I've given. That was... <laughs> no. That was uh, Wu Tang Clan at eighty. I mean, but at the same time, uh, a lot of people really did copy that that look and that uh, swag from Easy. I, gave, and Ice I gave Outcast eighty. I gave 
gangster 70 you get terror squad a, a 25 for swag <laughs> might have been a little generous <laughs> it does seem a little well i had a 30 for terror squad swag. well i think we 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 couched it by big pun yeah. being being pretty swaggy that's very true well thank you for listening to the rotowire prospect podcast be sure to rate and review on itunes if you get a chance and check us out next week have a good weekend this is the story of harry's for decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.